Hello and welcome to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. I'm the host, David Gillespie. Every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Rich Wisniewski, and we bring on guests to talk about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. If this is up your alley, feel free to download, listen, subscribe, and please rate us on iTunes. It really helps people find us. You can also connect with us on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming and join our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group, but click to join. We're friendly to everybody and we'll get you added in. We also have a Discord server to talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here again with High Shelf Gaming. And as always, I am joined by the magnanimous Rich Wisniewski. Dave, great to be here. Glad to see you're in your Canadian tuxedo as we talk about some things that might be Johnny Mnemonic-like, which was, you know, filmed in Canada. But that's why I think you're wearing the Canadian tuxedo bedazzled. Joining us today is a returning guest, my good buddy, Mike. Mike, dude, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. It was a pleasure last time and I look forward to tonight. Yeah, so Mike, 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 here's a real test. Yes. David, do you know Mike's last name and can you pronounce it properly? It's Coates. Mike? He said it right. Oh, 10 points for Dave! Yeah, the... Uh, like every uh, cold call sales call that pronounces it Coates or Cotez. <laughs> Cotez. <laughs> uh, I need, I need, uh, I need Miguel Cotez. And you're like, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm Mike Coates. I'm from Pennsylvania. I, uh, I'm as pale as they come. <laughs> Yeah, so Mike, we have you back exclusively for the purposes of your voice, because your voice just sounds so good. Why, thank you. You're welcome. And Mike, what are we talking about today? We are talking about cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. Specifically, cyberpunk 2020. Yes, I have been wanting to do this for a while, and freaking cyberpunk 2077 is coming around the corner. It sure is. E3 just did a big trailer. A bunch of people got to see gameplay and in a backroom situation. So there's all this buzz around Cyberpunk. And guys, I just love Cyberpunk. Mike and I, you and I have played this thing for like a long yeah, time. Yeah, a long, long time. <laughs> I think we had, uh, I mean, I ran a game that was long running over several years. Now it wasn't, you know, it wasn't <sighs> a weekly game, but it lasted several years. And then uh, I know our friend Marcus also ran a game that I believe lasted about a similar time frame. <laughs> So. Yeah, it, it, what's crazy about these games is, folks, cyberpunk as a role-playing game is lethal. Yeah. Lethal. Like, the fact that our character survived, I don't know, a handful of games. That's what is I'm a, wondering. It's amazing. For years. I mean, right. it's like, oh, I got shot. Oh, there's a VI. There's a virus. I'm dead. I right. should clarify that the years, if you were to compress it down into a weekly session, it was probably six months. Still. You that's know, a lot that's, of sessions to survive. A lot of sessions to survive. I, I was yeah, just kind of sure. ready for him to go. Uh, it's kind of like twenty-four hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Game so, time. It was probably was twenty-four hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, folks at home, Cyberpunk. If you haven't played it before, it's a near dark future role-playing game. Rich, last time we did a an alternate setting thing, we talked about the movies that inspire players in that scene. Let's do that again. I think I just dropped one. Right at the beginning, Johnny Mnemonic, Keanu yeah. Reeves, was, <laughs> did a phenomenal movie. And that was a, who's our author? Who's our author? William Gibson. That was a short story in William Gibson's Burning Chrome collection of short stories. Yep. So maybe we should talk about books and movies because... 
guys. It's Neuromancer, man. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Neuromancer is an obvious one. And then you've got Snow Crash, obviously. And oh, Neil Stevenson, Snow oh, Crash. Yeah. yeah. Neil Stevenson oh, stuff. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to go read that tonight. It's fantastic. Diamond Age is also so good. Yeah. Would you guys throw Blade Runner into that kind of category too? A lot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of, when I think of the genre, I think of a Blade Runner. Now, it doesn't have mm-hmm. kind of like that lawnmower man, I'm going into the wire kind of thing. I, I have a special little favorite too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you guys? And I just watched it recently. I, I just got it. Strange Days. Yes. Yeah, buddy. That was yeah. a Dave. Are you are you seeing me on Strange Days? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. No, I'm on. I'm nodding my head. I like this. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. was. I think one of those like, just it kind of went under the radar when it came out, and it's kind of like a cult yeah. thing. I think. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's there's actually a lot of what I would call cyberpunk movies out there. A lot of people wouldn't affiliate them with cyberpunk because they're not, you know, outrun. They're not dark and rainy all the time and with a whole lot of neon and stuff like that. But like I would throw Total Recall in there. Nice. And I would put Demolition Man in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are like classics to me and they're very cyberpunky. And so the big the big theme with all of these folks is dystopian future near term in the next 20 ish years, dystopian future corporations are running the show. Governments have almost no play anymore unless they are dystopian dictatorship type situations. You have a character that is in between the margins, you know, outside of the system, getting odd jobs done, doing the dirty work within the world. You look at Blade Runner is a detective that's just on the wrong side of stable. Uh, You've got the same with a lot of these other movies and novels that we've been talking about. Okay, so the folks that are just now hearing about this role-playing game, they're looking around, which cyberpunk do I want to get? Do I want to get 2020 or 2030? Hmm. And I think, I think that the consensus generally is 2020 is more adherent to the core of cyberpunk. It's closer to William Gibson, Neil Stevenson, Craig Nova, uh, some of these like hardcore sci-fi uh, cyberpunk authors. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is 2030? I've never heard of this. Okay, so 2030 is the third version that Mike Pondsmith came out with. And there are some technical improvements with 2030, especially when it comes to the hacking system. Yeah. It is inspired more by anime, newer... Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is almost right in there with 2020, guys, I think. Okay, okay. Because, dude, it is hardcore. Yeah, but it's definitely themed a lot more, like, I would kind of agree with both of you. Like, 2030 is aesthetically more in the Ghost in the Shell arena. Yeah. Where Ghost in the Shell's, you know, ambiance and stuff is totally very much cyberpunk, you know, classic cyberpunk. It's very dystopian and stuff like that. So So, so maybe it's right to say that Ghost in the Shell is inspired by cyberpunk and then Cyberpunk 2030 is inspired by Ghost in the Shell and other like products. You know, newer books, newer series, uh, shows today that are very cyberpunky. I think it would be like Altered Carbon Mm-hmm. Yeah. a couple of these other newer shows that are coming out now they get into more transhumanism and transhumanism is a concept where you're improving the human body to the point that you might not be human anymore right and cyberpunk has that in there too it's yeah. just not everybody's not doing it it's like a very rare subset of people would be yeah. transhuman 
You know, another one that, um, and I'll, I'll quit talking about movies because as we started chatting about dystopian future movies and things on those lines, it reminded me of a great future facing movie with Mick Jagger and Anthony Hopkins. Can anybody tell me this movie that also included Emilio Estevez? Okay, well, I know this is wrong, but as you were talking, my mind went to Snake Plit, uh, uh, Plitzkin oh, and uh, Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. <laughs> like, dude, that's kind of cyberpunky too. And so is, oh, um, what was the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger? And, um, and no, no, no. Well, oh. Oh, didn't he also do one where he's like in this game show and oh, it's a death game show? With the guy and, from uh, um, Survey Says? Right, right, yeah, yeah, like, like, kind of, a, kind of an original uh, Mockingjay. What was that guy? Was that was that Running Man? It was Running Man. Yeah, it was Running Man. And by the way, I'm thinking of Free Jack. Okay, so that was a that was a VHS classic, Cyberpunk 2020, inspired by uh, relatively older movies. You know, 80s, 90s, yeah. uh, oh. sci-fi, dystopian future sci-fi. Dude, when did Neuromancer come out? Because that's really the one I think of whenever I think of stuff like this. I think of Neuromancer, and I, th- you know, I remember it was a video game when I was a kid too. I don't know when that came out. Let me go to the intro. 84. Uh, there we go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay, so if it came out in 84. When yeah. did Cyberpunk 2020 come out? That was in 1990. Yeah, I think it was late 80s. Okay, at the earliest, but yeah, that yeah, pissed. that pissed. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So 1988 was Cyberpunk 2013, which is like okay. version one. Yeah, 1990 was Cyberpunk oh. 2020, which is version two. And then 2030 or version three was in 2005. If you're going to do any of them, folks, I would say go straight to 2020, 2020 for the like hardcore experience. If you want something that's a little more anime flavored, then 2030 is fine. Yeah. Just know that you're getting into kind of a newer take on cyberpunk and, and a less uh, hardcore cyberpunk. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk a little bit about 2020. We said earlier it's lethal. Mike, tell us about lethality. Tell us about this system. So basically you've got, so a lot of role-playing games have just hit points and they, a lot of times they'll scale with your level. Right. D and D like D and D. Yeah. And any of the D 20 derivative systems, Pathfinder, so on. And they have flavors like in the DMG, you have the option. There's the optional hit point rules where you basically get a set number of hit points and it's based off of your constitution score. So that, can make D&D a lot more lethal because obviously you'll have way less hit points. Cyberpunk, though, and to some extent Shadowrun. Now, Shadowrun has a lot of mitigating factors, but we can talk about that in another podcast when you guys talk about Shadowrun. But for Night City or for Cyberpunk, you have 40 boxes of health, period. You could immediately knock off half of your health with one gunshot. And that's a small gun. Yeah. And you're immediately making death saves, you know, straight out the bat. And it doesn't take much. It takes, you know, a half decent roll on the part of the shooter and even a good roll on the part of the defender can he's still it's a, it is no joke. Bad news if you're getting shot at already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cover matters. Range yeah. matters. Like one of the things that makes this system really lethal is if you're close, if you're point blank range, all damage is max. Yep. So if they hit you, they automatically do max damage to your body. And yeah. That gets you into making death saves 
or can get you into making death saves almost right away. Yeah. Especially if you're not armed and armored, you know, armor right. has a big role to play in this game too. Think augmented bodies. People have, you know, armor that's just under the skin. They may have a, a gun built into their wrist or some sort of like poison that is on their lips that when they kiss somebody, they're going to die. I mean, this is the kind of thing you're dealing with in this world that everybody's everybody can have little tricks to keep them, make them more lethal or give them more survivability. Yeah. And you have to have them in order to really make it. You can't be just some dude with a pistol because you're right. going to die. Part of what makes cyberpunk so appealing is that it's kind of like the Wild West, like an old Western, like total lawlessness. Like there's the sheriff, right? There's the Night City Police Department, but he's only going to raise his finger if he thinks he can actually handle with handle it. Like, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, otherwise <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll be over here drinking my whiskey or whatever. Yeah, just drinking my sorrows that I can't help these people, but yep. it's just too hot for me. I can't throw my yeah. guys at that problem. And everybody's carrying something, some form of personal defense and not always visible because cybernetics and all that stuff can conceal stuff pretty well. And yet yeah, you yeah, talk about personal defense. People are armed on their own. Right. But yeah. the corporations, they don't rely on the cops either. Right. The corporations have their own defense forces that are as well or even better armed than the police. Yeah. And so you think about there's this world where, sure, there's a there's cops, but there's this whole secondary security force that's ever present. And if somebody does something that the corporations don't like, they have armed people that can address that problem. From, yeah. a, from their perspective. So think about it in those terms that authority comes from a lot of different places in cyberpunk. Yeah. By the way, I would like to know, we may have talked about this on an earlier podcast, that all these evil corporation names are like um, EBCM and Yakamala and all this other stuff, right? Arasaka is a big yeah. one. Um, uh, what is it? Ditech Heavy Industries. Yep. Yes, but in reality, I think they should be called Disney and Google uh-huh. and really funny little happy names. Those are not so, sinister enough. Those no, are not sinister enough. All this, all this corporation growth I grew up with, and in these games, is all these sinister names. But in reality, are they? To be fair, Rich, I don't foresee Disney being the evil mega corporation in our, you know, in two years from now when we devolve into Cyberpunk 2020. Right. But I do think that our defense contractors will be, you know, like uh, defense industry stuff, you know, Lockheed Martin. Oh, sure. Because while they're totally benign for most of the public, <laughs> that's who takes over in Cyberpunk. It's Militech and Arasaka and, you know. Yep. All these defense contractors yeah. in brinksmanship fashion became the megacorps that took yep. over. And, and remember, you know, a lot of this cyberpunk stuff was written during Cold War, was yeah. written with, at the height of paranoia and nationalism. Defense com- companies were making dollars hand over fist. So these authors and this game maker, you know, Michael Pondsmith just looked at that and said, OK, let's expand this. Let's yeah. just make it 30 years later. These companies are now crazy wealthy and they've kind of nobody controls them anymore. They're now so big that one department within Arasaka has a whole biomedical division doing horrific things yeah. that nobody's catching on to because even Arasaka's leadership isn't aware of this biotech firm that has six orphanages for some reason. Why does right. why do they have six orphanages? <laughs> and and those are the problems that you get to expose to your players is Hey, here's really bad stuff going on, and it's giant oppressive organizations doing it, 
Yeah. What are you going to do? Solve this problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. and those are the kinds of cool things that you can do in this setting, in this world. Yeah. Or die doing. Right. <laughs> Mainly die. Mostly die. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a couple of our games were, what of it? What, one of it was there was a food, there was an ag company that had started doing science experiments within the protein bars that they were shipping oh, yeah. out. Dude, we had this whole thing of like tracking down where they were coming from, which corporation was involved, who was the manager. We put a grenade into his car so that there was a change of leadership within the organization that exposed a thing. We went deep. Yep. We went really deep because we were trying to dismantle a super mega corp division. Okay. I got to ask you guys this about, about your scenario and what you were going through. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love Netrunner. I'm a big Android Netrunner fan. I was really sad that they stopped it. I'm about to cry just thinking about it. <laughs> How much of y'all's gameplay was this Netrunner kind of, I'm in the ethereal versus dude, we're, we're breaking into a lock. And we're using a, you know, a bypass code to get into this room, but we're actually physically, you know, infiltrating. Yeah. In the game Dax is talking about, I was playing a character called Bear, who was the Netrunner. Now, because it was only two of us, we had kind of both, I don't know what you'd call it, a cross-class sort of thing. Like I had Netrunning skills and I also had some basic uh, face abilities. So like I had spent a lot of points in charisma and then uh, social Dax's character was more the, the brick house, you know, kind of firearms dude. But and we should mention that this game does have classes. Yes. And each class gets access to special skills and, and that kind of thing. So I was a solo. And so my skill was basically I go first in a gunfight, which right. in a super lethal system is crazy More important. Really important. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah exactly. It was huge. But to answer your question about the net running, the rules in Cyberpunk 2020 are pretty clunky for net running. They're very similar to like old school Shadowrun rules, uh, second edition and third edition Shadowrun. If you were going to do it by the book, it's one of those things where like the part the rest of the group is going to go do something else for a while. <laughs> so the way we handled it a lot of the times was Marcus, the GM at the time, would cinematic most of it. You know, he'd make me roll a few rolls to just kind of see how well I did on those rolls. And then he would sort of cinematic me through the run. To be honest, a lot of times, because there was only two of us, a lot of my hacking roles, if I'm remembering correctly, all took place on site. I would jack in at a right. location and do my shit from there. Which was abnormal so, for that game. Almost everybody yes. did everything remote. And that's why it took so long, is the hacker was never there. Yeah. The Netrunner would, you know, jack in and, and dip into the cyberspace and they would move their body through an ethereal cyberspace. And if they touched uh, black ice, which was AI driven firewalls, they could die. Yeah. They could physically die. So there was all this crazy dangerous stuff in there. And it was interesting and cool. But like Mike was saying, man, playing it at the table meant that everybody else went and got dinner or something. It was just such a killer for for, you know, session cohesion. Yeah, it's the only way to go, in my opinion. If you're going to do hacking, you're going to be hacking on site. So the very first thing in the book is character creation. And so you yeah. can see all this stuff right up front, guys. And you're looking at solos, which are the big uh, threshers, the guys that are doing really awesome in combat. You've got techies and med techs, you know, medics and folks that are good with electronics. The hacker, Netrunner, you could almost NPC that role. 
Yeah. You can almost say, you know what, let's have a have an offsite NPC hacker. Almost Fire like somebody. a you know, like in D and D sometimes you'll have the party wizard. Wow, that's a good idea. I like that idea a lot. You know how like in D and D you'll have like the uh the old wizard that helps out the party and gives them a teleport every so often? You could have the hacker be the same thing. Yeah. And that's how I did Shadowrun, actually, back in the day. Nobody wanted to be the Netrunner in Shadowrun either. You know, when they needed a hacker, I just provided them a list. It's like, hey, you can get this guy who you know, and he's okay. Or you can, you know, your your fixer is like, hey, I know another guy who's a lot better, but he's going to cost you a lot more coin. Kind of give him an option. But and I would just do it all behind the screen. And the fixer is another role. In cyberpunk, the fixer is the person who can get you guns, get you jobs. They're the deal maker. They're the face of the group a lot of times. Uh, fixer is another one that, depending on your group dynamic, you may want to NPC out. Just depending on what kind of game your players want to be playing. The fixer role is a lot of fun. But yeah. it's one of those things that your players could just say, hey, you know, DM, we just want we just want you to throw us at problems. So, you know, we just go to our fixer and say, what's the job this week? And our fixer gives us the job. Right. Yep. And that's one thing that's really cool about cyberpunk is you can be very episodic. You can say, look, we're a black ops crew and we take odd jobs and here's the kind of stuff we like to do. Maybe not the whole crew's even there, right? This yeah. is one of those things that you can have a, a group that is fungible because week to week you're doing different missions together and maybe not everybody's there. So the fixer maybe didn't tap everybody to go yeah. on this mission. Yeah, it's very easy to do it that way. And I'm about to start a one-shot style, episodic style cyberpunk game, actually, in the next few weeks. Yeah. Which I'm really excited about because I haven't played in forever. But, you know, that 2077 trailer got me really pumped. But, yeah, it's very easy to do that. And the other thing is, is because it's easy to flex people in and out like that, it's also very easy to deal with losses. You know, people get smoked in a session. It's like... Hey, no big deal. That's cyberpunk. Life is a dime a dozen. Roll up yeah. another character. And I remember, so one of the games we played a long time, we had those characters that lived forever, right? And my big thresher guy, my solo, uh, his name was Vic. Dude, it was just one day, a stray round, just pook, caught him in the head and he died. You know, Marcus was like, dude, this way the dice fell. And I was like, yeah, man. He lived a hard life and Vic was going to die sometime. Like label an appeal or like lobby for an appeal. Or, <laughs> yeah, know. no, there's no resurrect. There's no resurrect in cyberpunk. You die and you're gone, man. Dude, it was cool. Like I knew that going in. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of go into this knowing oh, my character might die anytime. And every session after the first is gravy. So, I mean, yeah. he had a great, great career and the way he died and the, and the way it all went down is like, cool. That's how yeah. in the, in a junkyard back alley situation. Yeah. That's how a guy like that goes. And it's cool. Yeah. Did you know, I heard doing a little bit of research that Mike Pondsmith has been on helping with, Oh, project red. What did, who are the people doing? CD project red. So this, it's the same developing studio that did the Witcher series of games. Oh, whoa. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's <clears> so shit right there. Oh yeah. Like, and they announced, I want to say they announced it like five years ago with like yeah. a, a very simple teaser trailer. It was like 30 seconds long or something. That's when they announced it. And then they went totally dark on it. There was nothing yeah. until this year at E3. So of course everyone blew their stack when we saw the trailer and everything. People are freaking but, out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, everything that I've heard from anyone who saw anything at E3 is like, it looks amazing. So 
we know Pondsmith is involved. I, th- I believe he's maybe not an executive producer, but he's at least a producer with them on it. So, and he's been saying for a long time that he wanted a video game for Cyberpunk, but he wanted it done right, and he held off on allowing anyone to do it until right. CD Projekt Red came at him with it. So, yeah, if you've never heard of Cyberpunk 2020 before, and this is your first exposure, is, is all the buzz around Cyberpunk 2077. This is one of those games that has a really intense following. There are people out there that love themselves some cyberpunk and have been begging Maximum Mike or Mike Pondsmith to make a video game that they can play and have fun with. And to his credit, okay, Mike is a cool guy. Um, you're also a cool guy as well, Mike, but, but Tom Smith is a really cool guy. <laughs> He's cooler than I am. <laughs> yeah. All of us. He's cooler than all of us. Uh, it's just really cool to see this guy make something in the eighties and nineties and marshal it and say, okay, we're kind of done with the role-playing game for a little while, but I'm not done with this world. Right. And it's so cool that the folks of our CD project red said, Yep. This is something we want to do. We want to take the great thing we did with the Witcher series and we want to apply it to a completely unique and interesting world. Mike, tell us what you got. Yeah. And and he's I think he's been a consultant on it. He kind of makes it sound like they're the ones doing the project, but they ask him all the time for advice. <laughs> <clears throat> that might be very, very well the case. Um, I could be totally wrong about the producer thing. Uh, Wikipedia has him listed as the designer. So... What? Okay. Wow. Okay. That's a big never mind. That is yeah. he's more than a consultant. He's a designer. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about Night City. Because even the people who are gonna jump into 2077, they don't know what Night City is unless they yeah. go back and read all these old texts. Night City in the game world is actually halfway between Santa Barbara, California, and San Francisco. So it's like smack in the middle of California's coastline. Uh, it's right next to Monterey. For some reason, I always thought it was uh, Seattle, but it wasn't. I think Shadowrun takes place in Seattle. So you might be confusing the two. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. In fairness, though, to you, it doesn't shock me at all if it was certainly modeled after Seattle in a lot of ways, because it's it's a big it's a port city on a bay. It's cyberpunky. And so, like, you deal with, you know, that kind of West Coast rain and all that stuff. But, yeah, the geographically, it's actually located in, in Central California. It's kind of a mythical city that he invented that's yes. on the West Coast. And uh, I know there's this big rock that kind of exemplifies the area. Like, he's even taken photos from a plane saying, hey, here's the rock. Here's where Night City wow. visually is to him on the coast there. Right. I want to say it's right near Big Sur. Pfeiffer Big Sur National Park or State Park. You know, it's just south of Monterey and it's all mountains, all tons of mountains and stuff out there. So it's easy to cram a city right on the coast and have a nice big rock right there for you to to point at. So it wouldn't shock me at all if that's pretty much what he was looking at. So Night City has a couple of districts to it. There's obviously the like the corporate district and then there's several neighborhood districts and the docks and those sorts of things. So those are some typical things you would expect in any coastal city. But what's interesting about Night City is there are areas that are completely lawless. Yeah. Combat zone. In the combat zone, you better be armed. There are random fights happening from random gangs and police forces and security forces 
all the time. It is not a safe place to be. And a lot of uh, our best missions <laughs> is going into the combat zone to uh, go in and get a guy who's hiding out in the combat zone because you're you're safe if you're hiding out. Just the chaos around you is its own form of protection. So no. a lot of people like to hide there. Yep. Ain't, ain't nobody wants to go down there. Got to have yeah. a big gun with you. Yeah, and a crew and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those places where you might make alliances for the moment. Like while you're moving from street to street, there may be a fight going on and you pick a side to help out so that they won't shoot you as you traverse further into the zone. So there's definitely, you know, as a GM be thinking, okay, if I send my players here, I need to be making a chaotic environment, but I'm going to have to play it loose. I'm going to have to let groups like them for the moment. And maybe next time they'd rather shoot at my characters, but right away, I'm going to give them some freedom here. I'm going to give them a chance to make an an ally that's going to last for the scene while they move on to the next thing. So a lot of random encounters can happen in there. There's actually a really funny, I was reading back through the Night City source book the other day, and I forgot that there's a whole corporation. It's called Combat Cabs. And the whole thing is that they just fly through the combat. They'll take you like through the combat zone Lift, you know, yes. and they'll take whatever they need with them to make sure that they get you out alive. But it's just like, hey, let's go to the combat zone just for a second. <laughs> yes. There's also a really fun form of health insurance there where if you go down, there's a company that's monitoring your health stats. And if your stats start to waver, they will send in an ambulance. Wow. And that ambulance, you're if you're paying the big bucks, that ambulance will show up, kill anybody near you and put you in the ambulance and say, save your life and they will kill and destroy anything they have to in order to get to you and save you it's trauma team and that's the world you play in okay not to get boring what are the stats i mean is it strength dexterity wisdom charisma uh sort of so let me pull up the character sheet here so i can read it right off to you oh we have a character sheet from 1992 here in front we certainly do so that's right that's right the usual. So you've got intelligence, reflexes, and attractiveness. And then you've got some sort of new ones that are a little bit different. You've got tech, cool, luck, movement allowance, and body. So movement allowance and body are kind of like what strength used to be in D&D. Yeah. Because uh, body is, you know, if you got a lot of body, then you have a little bit more toughness and hit points and you can lift more. And cool is like your coolness under pressure and just how kind of clocked in are you? Uh, can you can you work through a, a a tough situation? And you have run, leap, and lift, which are considered stats, but those are calculated off of your core stats. Empathy is is your humanity, and this is where I've seen some interesting things on the discussion boards. Okay, so your humanity is how grounded you are as a person, and I remember we talked a little about about transhuman. Well, as you augment yourself and as you become transhuman, you start to lose some of your humanity. And as you lose humanity, eventually you start losing empathy. You become a less and less empathetic person and you eventually forget what flowers smell like because you have an augmented nose and it's been five years since you've smelled a flower. And you start to lose connection with some of the things that are beautiful in the world. And you start to lose care for other human beings. And if you get down low enough, the DM or referee or whatever they're called in cyberpunk just says, cool, give me your character sheet. And now you are under my control because you have no humanity. Your character is now completely amoral and is now a bad guy because they're not going to listen to anybody. There's a lot of discussion in the cyberpunk discord and on the forums about I don't like augmentations taking my humanity away from me. 
they don't like that mechanic of, of economy of like, I can't fully augment myself to the point that I'm a fully augmented person without right. losing this essential stat. And folks, it's been there since the beginning. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> it's part of the world where yeah. the more you augment, the less humane you are, the less human you are. And that's part of this world is that we're, we're figuring out what it means to be human. And there's all these ways that that's explored within cyberpunk. And like any tabletop game, that's the GM's call. Ultimately, you know, like we talked about last time about GMing. If I, for whatever reason, decided I didn't really like the empathy stat, I'd get rid of it. All right. Now to go on a little bit more with, you know, hit points and getting shot and things along those lines. D20 system, D10, D6, D everything. It's well, it's D10s and D6s primarily. Weapons do, I think, I want to say most weapons do a D6 or multiple D6s. Right. When you're rolling stats, you're rolling D10s. And for skill checks, you're rolling D10s. Yep. And so, like, if you want to roll to hit, you roll a D10. And yep. then if you hit, you roll another D10 to figure out location. Right. Hit so, location. Dude, if you do 22 damage to an arm that arm is gone like yeah. the dude needs to go to the ripper dock and get a brand new cybernetic arm if you take eight points of damage in any one limb that limb is gone i said 22 i was wrong it's eight eight wow. eight or more so in one hit like one bullet if it did eight points of damage the limb is gone in one turn is what it says and then that, in- that includes the head people that's a wow. that's an appendage and head hits are always double damage of course they are right so i mean that's it is it's insanely lethal you do not want to get hit by bullets in this game you know where Um, i got the 22 from you know where i got the 22 from armor where it's it's from the subdermal the subdermal armor armor. comes with 22 and that's a straight damage reduction so you get armor that will apply to certain body parts so you can get full body you know like uh sub like what dax was talking about earlier the subdermal plating and stuff like that the cybernetic enhancement kind of stuff and then of course there's classic body armor so there's like you know swat suits that have full you know kevlar that goes down your arms and legs and stuff or there's just the vest you know and a helmet and stuff like that and all that affects how much damage you're going to take when you get hit in a certain location a lot of it is fairly ineffective yeah now if you if you drop if you drop a lot of coin and you have all the armor in the world you're pretty safe against pistols yes but somebody coming at you with a rifle (laughs) no, no, no. The other thing about this game is there's all these augmentations for sensory and communications. So people have like built in radios so they can talk to each other without having to vocalize anything. They've got eye augmentation that lets them see multiple uh, spectrums and all that kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of other ways that players enhance themselves and make them better at whatever it is they want to get good at. Yeah. Yeah. Cars, airplanes, helicopters. Um, all of that's in there. Cyber scooters, anything uh, futuristic in the vehicles, or is everything stayed kind of within the 21st century? No, it's pretty pretty dynamic. There's obviously the most common stuff is wheeled still, but there's totally VTOL, you know, vehicles, vector thrust. Helicopters are still a thing. Dirigibles are back. That's right. I forgot all of it, the dirigibles. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the big suborbital flights to like go cross country and stuff. So you can do suborbitals. To be honest, the book is not the best organized. 
when you're in the thick of it, looking up a certain rule can sometimes be a bit of a pain. But that's the other nice thing about Cyberpunk is it's very easy to just cinematic it. The yes. GM, you know, even if you're not familiar with it, just say, well, I'm not really sure, but let's just let's pick these sets of skills. I'm going to make you roll these. And, you know, just as long as you're talking about it, a lot of times you can come up with something really fast that's going to be relatively fair and, you know, go from there. It's very easy to do that. There are a couple of skills I don't like. There's a whole like hide and evade. Yes. And then there's stealth. I just combine those two. You know, there's yeah. there's yeah. there's a couple there's a couple little things in there that as you're reading it now as a modern storyteller or game master, just yep. looking at that, you're going to know I don't like those two skills being different. Let's just combine them and move on with our lives. Now, you mentioned the rules are all over the place in the book and that's absolutely true. But these days, folks, you can still get this these books on drive-through RPG. And yes. they're searchable and searchable PDFs in the world of cyberpunk is like a necessity. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that they are text searchable, but they have all the bookmarks. I think, right. um, I think they were text- which is well, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah, yeah definitely. The bookmarks. Might be. Yeah. My, my PDFs are like scans from way back in the day. I've got a hard copy over here right. because they weren't available anywhere in digital format. So it was just somebody took it down to their shop you know, at work and scanned it in on their document scanner. Right, right. Um, exactly, exactly. I think so. the new ones, if you buy them from DriveThruRPG, I think they are text scannable. Gotcha. Text I mean. Oh, man. Well, I'll have is, to... there, is there supplemental docs or is it no go to literature? There's a lot of supplemental books. Now, the only ones that I really ever use are there's four what are called Chromebooks, and they're basically just extra equipment, extra cyberware, stuff the like cool that. Thing, I love them. They're laid out like a uh, shopping catalog, like a Sears yeah. catalog. Oh, you thumb okay. through it, and it's like, did you ever wonder if she's cheating on you? Buy a buy a drone cam that like, follows yeah. her around. You know, it's like so all great. these crazy little things in there, and they're they're written like an advertisement. So it's there's a lot of like flavor. Just yeah. in the Chromebooks. It's really nice. Star Wars yeah. did that a lot too. Oh yeah. 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 yeah and then yeah. the other the other book is the Night City source book itself, which has a lot of good info and maps and stuff of the city and all that stuff. So Yeah. And so folks, if you're looking at twenty seventy seven and you're like, Man, I want to kind of get a jump start in this whole city thing, go get the Night City source book. It's yeah. all in there. All the neighborhoods are going to be there in the game. So if you want to kind of get a layout and understand some of the theming that's going around on around Night City, it's all there. You can just go to drive through RPG, pick up the Night City source book and find out all you want to know about the setting. It's a really done, well done book, if I'm honest. It's one of the better setting source books in any cyberpunk genre game in my opinion i think it's one of the better source books for a specific location yeah and like any of the ones in shadow in shadow run so it's a solid book and so the way the books are rolled out you've got the rule book which is going to tell you how to make your character first and then yeah. how to basically run the combat run a game and do do politics that kind of thing and then you get into the source book like yeah. the main book has a bit on night city but it's just enough so that you as a DM have to fill in everything else. It's got the main points of interest. It does an overview of the different areas and where the gangs operate, but it doesn't really get into any of the nitty gritty stuff. You know, that's where like in that book, it gives you like some of the NPCs that you might find. But yeah, it's very short. It's like three pages long, I think. So and I want to say the source books as long as the main core book, as far as like numbers of pages go. Yeah, it's Not a bit close. One. Yeah. Mike, I have, a, 
I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What music do you play in the background while you're running a cyberpunk game? Uh, I play oh, oh, now that the outrun genre is getting a lot uh, more popular. I'm playing. I'll be playing a lot more of that. Um, yeah. So, uh, what is outrun? Like med- what so, is outrun uh, for the folks who are not initiated? Outrun. It's kind of hard to describe, to be honest. I would put it as um, like retro wave kind of styling. So it's way more complicated than what we had in the eighties. Right. Uh, but it's that synthesizer electronic music that you had in the eighties, but with modern gear so you get a lot more range in what they can produce with the synthesizers and stuff like that so i'm going to suggest you to look up philip's cdi burn cycle soundtrack right on one of those games that was really quirky that came out that is cyberpunk feel to it but had this incredible soundtrack to where it was actually released as a soundtrack by itself now i'm gonna go i'm gonna go kind of boring and say daft punk sure apex twin and a couple of these other techno artists like i'll, I'll cherry pick a couple of songs out of their stuff and just and just roll it because it's yep. it's that harder better faster stronger you know it's yeah. that whole gimmick is in there yeah and i tend to pick songs for locations so like when i'm in the thick of it in combat i'll usually i'll pick you know an outrun song or something like that just something from like magic sword or um something along those like uh perturbator or something like that and then yeah, um, perturbator is so good yeah but then when you're in a club or something like that that's where groups like daft punk really shine because it's more club music right it's more that's you know people point. are going to be dancing to it and stuff like that like it'd be weird to have a group like perturbator playing in a club <laughs> it's not very dance music like why is this playing in a club so <laughs> everybody's um, sitting around like what are we supposed to do with this <laughs> yeah i i try as a GM to tailor my music to where the locations are and what's going on in the game. Like yeah. anything. I mean, right. So I did D and D too. And this is another good game where you can have a lot of interesting handouts. Like we've talked about handouts for Dr. Who. Yeah. For cyberpunk, you can have a lot of interesting handouts and you can let players have, you know, terminals at the table, you know, tablets at the table and, and it, and it be in theme. There's a, a lot of advantage with going with a, a cyberpunky type genre. Cause you yeah. can do some more interesting stuff there. Yeah. I like it. Cause um, one of my favorite things in cyberpunk is I don't have to deal so much with the nuance because like in D and D when somebody wants to know the history of something, they have to go to, unless they have the skill history of dark elves, right. They're going to have to find a library and then they're going to have to do research. Like, so I'm making them roll knowledge checks and all this stuff in D and D where it's like in cyberpunk, it's like you open your terminal and search it. And, right. you know, you've got it. And what so, do you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. Now I might, if it's something really obscure, I'll make them roll. Level of slugs. Yeah. And well, and that gets into the hacking stuff. So like, you know, if it's behind a wall, if it's something black and inaccessible, right. then they're going to have to hire somebody to do that. But well, and remember guys, you know, you're now in a world where there are going to be communities of knowledge, knowledge experts and, and conspiracy theorists that know what's going on and others that are wrong. And so you can, as a DM, say, okay, cool. Yeah, you check in with your net zero boroughs and they tell you the real shit. And the real shit is this. And some of that information might be wrong, but some of it's probably right. 
And so you as a GM, you have a, a lot of really creative ways of introducing good and bad information from a lot of different sources. And, and I, that's another thing I really like about it. Because, dude, D&D, you cast Scry, you know what's going on. Right. Fake news, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot more um, flavor that you as a DM can put into the info that your players are going to get. And, and there's just something about that that's just, as a DM, it's so much fun to run. Yep. I guess we should probably go ahead and call it at this point. I mean, we've been talking for like an hour on this thing, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little yeah. over maybe. Mike, dude, always thank you so much for coming here. I, You know, you and I go way back, and we played a lot of games together, and the fact that we get to kind of collaborate on this every so often is a real joy for me. It's and awesome. Yep. I love that you're about to run another Cyberpunk game. I can't wait to play in it. So, dude, thanks a ton for coming back. Yeah, no sweat. It was a lot of fun. I love this. It's a good time. Everyone, thanks for listening. As always, have fun and play well. We'll see ya. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Did you mute? Are you fucking with yeah. me? Rich muted him. No, no. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you now. Oh, God. Yeah, now he's just fucking with us. Yeah, I was just fucking with us. <laughs> <laughs>